We, we started out a couple weeks ago, we're on the fifth segment of this Closer series, and we're dealing with practical um, disciplines to draw closer to God. So we dealt with, we talked about the Word of God last week. We're going to talk about prayer this week, but I might be talking about prayer in a way that maybe you haven't heard it framed before. And, and, and if you hear me repeat some of the stuff from last week, that's because I think I told you last week, everything we do, every discipline that we do comes out of the word of God. It starts, that's the foundation that we start with. So we're going to talk a lot about that again today. So we're going to read from the very first Psalm, Psalm one, and we're going to read uh, verses one through six, Psalm one. Verses one through six, we're going to stand up in honor of the word of God this morning. And it'll be on the screen. You can find it in your paper Bible if you brought that. You can also find it on the Bible app or at my, or, or the, the Hope Community Church app, which you can get on the app store. Psalm one, say amen if you're ready. Amen. You guys sound great this morning. I was back, back there and to hear you singing over the worship team. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. Father, we thank you this morning that your word is available to us. And you've given us every opportunity to apply it to our lives. You said if we do this, we gather together like this and look into it, you would change us, transform us. Pray that you do that this morning. I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice moves closer to you in the next few minutes. Thank you for it, Lord. We give you the honor and the glory in your name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. The book of Psalms is a collection of prayers and songs, kind of like the, the favorite playlist of the nation of Israel. And... The beautiful thing about it, it's got a lot of poetry in it, a lot of songwriting in it. It was written by a whole lot of different people, like a compilation of great songs. Uh, King David wrote some of them. His son Solomon wrote some. Even Moses wrote some of them. It gives you the, the prayers of some of the most important people in the Bible, but it also gives uh, the highlights of their, their prayers. Thank you, Lord, for the victory. But it also gives you their deepest, deepest, lowest points in life, the prayer they pray at those point times. In, in David's lowest points, you read him in the Psalms praying. It's a, it's a treasure trove of an unedited, unfiltered prayers uh, of people. And so if you ever think your prayers don't match up, go back and read some of those. In the darkest times of David's life, he's crying out to God with guttural emotion, praying that God would do something. Now you read the whole story of David's life, God definitely moved on David's behalf. 
Prayer is one of those things that can be tricky sometimes. The Bible tells us to be in constant prayer. Paul says to be in a constant state of prayer. And, and we can have an attitude of prayer where we're in this constant communion with God. But the first psalm in, in the Bible, the first six verses, it's kind of broken down. Here's what the righteous people, here's what it looks like to be righteous. You don't sit in the seat of scoffers. You don't, you're, not, you're not doing what wicked people do. And then verse 2, it says that the righteous person will loves the law of the Lord, loves God's word, and meditates on it day and night. And then it goes down and it says, this is what the righteous look like. You'll be like a tree planted by, planted by good water, planted by streams of water, and, and, and you'll bear fruit in season. And, and when, when everything else is withering, you won't wither. Your, your leaves won't wither. And then at the end of that, five and six, it, it starts talking about, but the inverse of that, people that don't hold God's word near and, and meditate on it, this is what it looks like for the wicked. So you've got these distinctions between righteous and, and the wicked, and right in the middle of it, it says what ends up making the distinction, that, you're, that you love the word of God, which we talked about last week was the, the breathed out word of God. It was directly from God. The Bible we have today is the one he wanted us to have. And if you meditate on it, so that's a little bit of an addition than what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about being in the word of God and reading it, being consistent to memorize it, all those things. And this week we add this thing called meditation. Now I want to let you know up front, you don't have to sit in your living room Indian style with your hands up. Mm, The word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Put the Bible in your lap. You're just like, "Mm." that's weird. That's weird. That's not what, not talking about some modern day, like whatever it is, meditation on nothing. Matter of fact, meditation just means to like intensely think about something, to, to ponder it, to, to roll it over in your mind over and over and over and over again. You could, you can meditate on the news. Some of you meditate on the news too much. You, you can, you can meditate on a, on studying for a test. You're, you're, you're deep in thought about a topic. You're meditating on that topic. You're, you're taking the issue and you're, you're spinning it around and around and around in your head until you, until you grasp it, until you, until you grab hold of the meaning of it. You're meditating on it. But it starts with the word of God. What are you going to meditate on? I like the song we just sang. One word from you changes everything. Sometimes we take that, ver- that, that song and we say, Lord, I need an extra word from you to change what's happening. I need you to say something you haven't said to me yet to change what's happening. But the truth of the matter is, is that, is that God already said everything to us. Amen? If you ever come to this church and I'm preaching something that's not in the word of God, you should probably stop coming to this church. I have people checking on me every week to make sure that what I say is from the word of God because God's not saying new stuff to people. If you ever get around somebody and they say, man, I've got this new thing from the Lord that's not in the Bible, you'd be like, ah. This ain't got nothing to do with COVID, but I'm staying away from you. You know what I'm saying? 
six feet. God's already said. So when we sing that song, we change the way we think about it. One word from you. I need to find out what he's already, what that word is. It's not a, it's not a discovery of a new word. It's a discovery of what he's already said. So there's a way to come about this. Anybody? Uh, let, let me, let me ask you, well, let me say this. James tells us, James tells us in chapter four, verse three, you ask not, or you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. So when you read James 4, 3, in our prayer, we ask for things, which by the way, Paul encouraged us to ask for things. He said, in every circumstance with prayer and supplication, bring your requests to God with thanksgiving. He says, no, you asking God for things is a sign of faith that you believe God can provide them. James comes along and writes in chapter 4, verse 3, that if you ask wrongly, you don't get what you ask for. So that... That tells me there's a right way to ask and a wrong way to ask. Amen? A right way to ask and a wrong way to ask. So then I need to, so then it's incumbent upon me to find out the right way. If I want to get prayers answered, then I have to know how to pray. I have to know how to ask. I have to know what God's expectation is. So that forces me back to what God has already said. Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119. It's pretty much right in the middle. It's the longest. It, that chapter is as long as the book of Philippians. It's about 176 verses. Guess what it has to deal with? Meditating on the word of God. The whole chapter, a whole chapter as big as the book of Philippians has to do with meditating on God's word. Psalms 119, verse 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So if the writer of that psalm was going, one word from you, I know what the word is, Lord. I, uh, I was thinking about it this way. How many of you were allowed to cuss at home when you were a teenager? Anybody? Just could walk in and cuss a lot. Anybody? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was frowned on at my house too. Yeah. A little bit. I was thinking about it like this. What if you came home from school? Let's say you were 10, 12 years old. You came home from school. And, and, the, and, the, and the way that the routine happened, your mom was there and she was fixing you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She, she loved you. You were her kid, man. Wanted to make sure you came home from school not hungry. Just wanted, wanted you to come in the house to a nice peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a glass of milk. Does that sound good? We just finished fasting. Doesn't that sound good? Peanut butter jelly and a warm, not a warm glass of milk. It's a cat. Um, it's, it's weird. But what if you walked in the house? What if you walked in the house at 12 years old and you went, mom, give me my bleeping sandwich. I heard somebody first say, you might've got a sandwich, but it wouldn't have been bread. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine my mom standing there working hard to fix me something pleasant and to bless me and to provide for me and all those things because after all, a 12-year-old, you can't even go to the store and buy, you're not even old enough, they card you for peanut butter, you can't even get it. Like, walk in the house and demand. Now you could say, well, I didn't know my mom did, but you knew, you knew. But if I would come home and say, 
Mom, you can't imagine how hungry I am. I've been thinking about that sandwich all day, and I'm so thankful that you made me a sandwich. I'm, I'm thankful that you made me a sandwich, Mom. You're the best mom in the world. I was going to give this apple to my teacher, but I decided to bring it home to you. You're so much better. You're my mom. She probably make you two sandwiches, four cookies. The difference there is you paid attention to what your mother had already said. Instead of just walking in trying to get what you wanted. If you pay attention, you know that your mom wouldn't tolerate language like that. Amen? If you pay attention, you know if you come into the house talking like that, you may, not, you may have difficulty talking for the next couple of days. But it's because you paid attention to what your mother had already said. So when we sing songs like One Word From You, there's an expectation that we know what that is. When, when God writes the longest chapter in the Bible, he writes it about knowing what he already says. There's no new word. There's no new this or new that. It's what he's already said. What am I going to pray? I'm going to pray what he's already said. I have an expectation if I need something, I'm coming to him in light of what he's already told me. What's already in the word of God. What he's already laid out. When I'm anxious, I'm going to go back to what he's already said about being anxious. When I'm, when I'm worrying, I'm going to go back to what he's already said about that. When I'm in need, I'm going to go back to what he's already said. He doesn't need to say anything new about it. So we start in the word of God. James says, you, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask incorrectly. We come in in a circumstance, you start demanding, God, you change my situation. You stop this right now. I can't believe you would do this to me. I can't believe you'd make me walk through this. You change my situation right now. And then what happens is sometimes it doesn't change. And James says, ah. So there comes this thing. We, we start with the word of God, but there's a thing we have to do with it. And that's called meditate on the word of God. The chap, verse two of the first chapter of Psalm says to meditate. I delight in your word and I meditate on it day and night. I look intently into the word of God to know what it says. I meditate on it. I'm rolling it around. I'm reading it. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about it. So meditation becomes like, becomes a bridge. Remember, we're ultimately talking about prayer, about us, us communicating back and forth to God in a way that we, that we see answers to prayer. So we start at the word of God. We meditate on it day and night. We talked last week about Moses talking, talking to the Israelites in Deuteronomy. And he's saying, man, just consume yourself with it. Put it on your wrist and let it hang down between your eyes and write it on the doorpost and talk about it. Talk about it when you come in and when you come out and when you sit down to eat, talk about it and when you write it on the gate. So every time you leave and you come back in, you're, you're getting the word of God. It's a part of your conversations. It's a part of your dinner table. It's a part of every part of your life. You get to Psalm 119, he talks about meditating. Get to Psalm 1, talks about meditating on the Lord. Absorbing the word of God into our lives. When we meditate on the God's word, it plants it in our hearts deep. 
Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, this is, this is important. How many, uh, imagine there's, a, I hope there's a decent amount of you in here that, that did some version of this fast the past three weeks. Um, anybody have all hell break loose during the fast? Anybody want to join me? Yeah, it's just great. Now, here's the thing. I didn't want to complain about this during the fast because I, I, know, I know some of you might, might be like, well, I'm not doing that. Okay. We started fasting. We, we drove my daughter to um, Nashville. My oldest daughter moved to Nashville. We're driving her to Nashville. My truck breaks down halfway. And um, like when I say breakdown, I mean like broke. Broke, 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 broke down. I have a tow to a dealership um, outside of Bristol, Tennessee, where they worked on it. They put a brand new engine in my truck. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. Brand new engine in my truck. Yeah. Brand new engine. So my daughter had just bought a car before she left. He said, hey, you take your mom's car. We'll keep your car here and we'll have it. Because it was a used car. It's good shape. And, and we'll take your car and we'll get some of these maintenance things done on it. Because you don't, you don't know anybody in Nashville. We don't want you to have to mess with that down there. So we have some trusted people that work on cars up here and, and, and we'll get it done up here. And, and then we'll come down and swap because I'm gonna have to come down and get my truck anyway. So um, we're fasting. Fasting, trusting the Lord, believing God for good things. Woo, yeah. And uh, the first time it snows, we go to back my daughter's all-wheel drive Volkswagen out of the driveway and only the front tires move. I look over at my wife and I'm like, this is supposed to be all wheel drive. Imagine that. <laughs> a couple days later, there's antifreeze leaking out the bottom of it. So I call the place we bought, uh, that she bought it from, call the place and we take it up there. They fix it under warranty. Thank God. Great. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. So fast forward to this weekend that just, now I, I need to make sure you understand. I wrote this sermon Wednesday. I wrote half of it last week and I, and I finished it up Wednesday. So this was before, or this is after, this happened after I wrote this sermon. So I didn't write this sermon to fit uh, my life. My life ended up fitting the sermon. Just want to make that clear. So everything comes together. I'm calling the people in Tennessee. Hey, is my truck ready? Is my truck ready? Is my truck ready? I call the other people. We got Madeline's car back from getting some things done to it. And I'm like, okay, we are going to pack the whole thing up. We're going to drive to Bristol and we're going to meet Madeline. And I'm going to get my truck. Yes. And then we're going to trade. My wife's going to get her car back. And it'll be a great weekend. We'll get to spend it with her, go around and have fun. So we take off about 5.30 Friday evening and we make it to Winchester. And we stopped and got gas and I had to pull up a little bit. And, and when I pulled up a little bit, the thing like, go, go, go. And my wife and I just looked at each other like, that was nothing. <laughs> nah, no chance. 
fill it up, pull out of the gas station and get on the interstate. And it starts going, I call my friend real quick. Who's a Volkswagen guy. And I say, Hey, what are you guys doing? (laughs) Oh, you're on vacation. (laughs) Hey, I got this check engine light just came on a Malin's car and it's like shuddering real bad, real interstate and this other lights on and I don't know what to do. I'm getting rid of. And he says, um, Hey man, it's a coil pack. Uh, nurse it to the place. And, and I, I work a lot on vehicles, so he's like, you'll be able to swap it really easy. So we nurse it into Advanced Auto Park in, in Winchester. And sure enough, that's what it was. The guy came out and read the, read the code and bought the part, put it on, everything was fine. Now, now I need to back up to what I did that morning. That morning, I don't journal all the time, but I have a book that I journal in occasionally. And, and I got it out that morning and I was reading some, the beginning of Ephesians. I decided I'm going to do this 21 days in Ephesians. And I saw, so I started, read the first chapter in Ephesians and I'm just, I'm doing what I'm preaching right now. I'm just rolling it around in my head, rolling around in my head. I think it's verse one and two. It says something about that, that, that Paul's writing to the believers uh, and basically says, and, and the righteous. And I started milling that around. I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. what is he talking about there? Why is he add the righteous thing on there? The, and I, I realized that once I become a believer, there's an expectation for me to, to do righteous things. There's an expectation that I will act in a righteous way once I become a child of God. Amen? There's an expectation on me. I get paid to do this. So there's an expectation on me to do that. So I kept rolling around in my head that morning and I'm writing it down in my journal. I'm like, God, help me be, help me to live a righteous life today. And I'm, I'm writing all this down. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got this. It's an easy day. I just got to do a couple things. I got to go to Berkeley Springs. I gotta, and my whole day went pretty smooth until like six o'clock. And we're looking at each other in the car. I'm like, I can't believe it. She calls, she calls our daughter. She said, hey, push pause because we might not make it. So we get, to, we get to the auto parts store and I, I get the part, or I'm going in to order the part. Now, now, I'm not making up one ounce of this. I'm not making it up. I walk in, the guy comes out. He's about 10, 12 years older than me, walks out and he does a scan thing where he can tell you what it is. And then we walk back in, we're ringing it up. Uh, by the way, if you ever, ever want to hide the fact that you're trying to be righteous, don't use the email pastor, whatever your name is. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. So the email on file with that auto parts place is Pastor Chris, you know. So he says, um, I'm standing in there, uh, just a hair frazzled. Not not upset, but I'm I'm rehearsing what I had heard in the word that morning. Because I got two options here. I could go absolutely ballistic because we haven't even been driving our own cars for the last month. My very nice truck has been sitting in Tennessee. I've been calling, like, are you done yet? This, like, this is crazy. And I'm like, Lord, we're fasting. We're drawing close to you and you. <laughs> like, I don't even have a good story yet after this. What am I going to tell people? Fasted and then just sucked. So I walk in, I'm rehearsing this in my head because my, my wife will tell you, I have, a, I have a habit, I could get upset about things and, and just be like, meh. 
And so I'm, I'm, I walk in and I'm like, you know what? I gotta, like, I gotta muster up some righteousness right now. I read that this morning. I journaled about it. I asked God to give me that today. And so I, I'm like, I cannot flip out about this stupid thing. I'm going to get it fixed and we're going to drive down there and have a good time. I beat the devil to death with this thing. So, um, I walk in and, and the guy starts ringing it up. And, and, and you, you have to give him your phone number and they pull up your account. And I pulled up my, he pulled up my account and he said, oh, you're a pastor. And I was like, yeah. He said, I've been a pastor for 35 years. I just retired. I was like, no kidding. He said, yeah, we moved here from the Norfolk area and, and, um, and, and I realized that I didn't have a lot of, uh, all my friends were just Christian church people. So I got a job here and I thought, what is everybody here going to hell? Like what's happening? <laughs> like, should I be even in here right now? He said, he said, so I, so I could have everybody that comes up now is a relationship I can start. Wrote his number down, gave it to me. He said, man, I'd love to have coffee with you. And I thought, Thank you that your word was true to me today. I would have went in there and acted like a fool in front of that guy. (laughs) Or just complain like crazy. Man, nothing in my life's been going right. The word of God meditated, applied to your life, turned back in prayer by six o'clock being tested. Now watch, now watch this. Watch this. James says you have not because you don't, because you ask incorrectly. Now watch. 99% of the time we pray, we pray like this. Lord, how could you let that car break down? I've been fasting. I've been praying. I haven't even cussed that much in the last month. I have been doing everything physically possible to be moving closer to you. And yet everything we have is breaking. That's the way we pray, isn't it? Lord, how could you let this happen? How could you let that happen? How could you? We were on our way to do something nice for our daughter. How could you let that happen? But because I was in the word, I was praying, Lord, in the middle of this, let me be righteous. Now, let's see which prayer gets answered faster. In the middle of this, Lord, let me be righteous in the way I deal with this. Let me not flip out. Let me, let me not do the wrong thing. And then I walk in, and he goes, you're a pastor? I'm a pastor. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for answering that prayer today. I didn't tell him what church I was from. You can find me at this.com. Yeah, we're not doing that. Um, No, but I thought of all times, Lord, thank you for reminding me that it's not the prayer of the breaking down car that always needs to be answered, but it's a prayer for me to be righteous in the middle of that circumstance. Because guess what? I don't care if you're fasting, giving, I don't care what it is. Life happens, mechanical things break, people do bad things, all kinds of bad things happening. And all, but James says, because you're only praying for God just to do something. Matter of fact, if you, if you look at, I didn't read it. But he says, James chapter four, verse three, you, you don't get what you want because you ask for selfish reasons. And it hit me 
than me praying, Lord, take this from me. I'm too good for this. Boy, how many times have we prayed? I've been fasting, Lord. I'm too good for this mistake. I've been fasting. I'm too good for my vehicles to break down. I'm pastoring a church. Pastors of churches don't have vehicle problems. And then he whispered, if you buy Fords, you do. You ain't got no, you ain't got no, he's been, that ain't a clapping, you should have been, all of my friends say that, like, what'd you buy that truck for? I'm like, I don't know, because it was shiny. How many selfish, unanswered prayers have went out of our lips? And then the more they're unanswered, the more selfish we get. Lord, how could you let this happen? How could you not do this? How could, why do I have to walk through this? Why, why did you lay this on me? Why did, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And what I realized that morning, and I'm not better than anybody in here. The only difference was that I was deeply in the word of God that morning, writing down how it would impact my life. And so the selfishness got pulled away from me and it wasn't, Lord, how did you let this happen? But Lord, can I be righteous in the middle of this happening? And he went, yeah. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I can answer that one. So walk in and treat the guy like you like, you like him. Walk in. Don't, don't flip out on your wife. Walk, just be calm and collect and know that, know that I'm with you and for you. And that even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. So all of a sudden, the prayer changes because what he has already said transformed the way I respond to him. James says, don't be praying these selfish things all the time, expecting God just, don't walk in cussing over the sandwich. You know what your mother expects. Don't walk in, don't walk in frustrated with God because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. No, he may be wanting to answer the righteous prayer. Hey, listen, this thing wouldn't be 50% as bad if you decided to do it my way. If you, if you applied the word of God to your life, listen to me, I know there's some deep, dark things that we have to walk through, but, but trust me when I tell you the Bible verses that lift you up, he will never leave you nor forsake you. His way, he knows the path that you take. And when he's tried you, you'll be as pure as gold. All those verses come flooding back in because, because I know them. I'm not perfect at it, but I can tell you this. When I stay in the word more, I'm better than if I don't. My prayers become less selfish when I'm in the word. My prayers become less about me when I'm in the word. My prayers have a foundation when I'm in the word. Now, now how many of you, how many of you have tried to pray and, and you get scatterbrained a little bit? Anybody? You get scatterbrained? It kind of goes like this. You may be in your bedroom. You may be, you may be like, sitting on your bed and you're just looking up to the Lord. Lord, thank you for this day. I'm getting ready to start. I know you're going to be with me every step. I know, I know you love me. Oh, it's that spot on the ceiling. Lord, you love me. And I'm trying to figure out where did that come from? My ceiling fan's dirty. Uh, Lord, you're so good to my family and I thank you for the blessings in my life and 
geez, we're going to have people over today. I know they're going to walk in here and say, it's the only van. We're going to get that. I mean, uh, Lord, you've been, forgive me for not cleaning the ceiling fan. (laughs) Anybody else? You may be kneeling down in a chair. Lord, thank you for the, man, this chair stinks. (laughs) What is that? What is that? Somehow the things you can never remember, you can always remember when you're praying. And it has nothing to do with scripture. Oh, there's that bill I forgot to pay. Oh, wow. I should pray more. (laughs) I can remember everything when I'm praying. I remember what he said to me last night. I remember that. Prayer disassociated from the word of God is confusion. Because you're relying on your own thoughts to direct your, to direct your prayer. And so I know there's a pile of people in this room that have tried it. You try to pray, you try to pray, you try to pray, you try to pray, and it's disassociated from anything else. The word of God's not in front of you. Just think, I'm going to spend 15 minutes praying. And then before you know, you're spending 15 minutes thinking about bills and, and what you got to do at work and the kids and how disrespected you were and all this stuff. And, and you never really get to the prayer part. You never get really get to the meat of what's going on. And it becomes short and, 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 and dies, uh, um, just separated, all this type of thing. But if you meditate on God's word, it changes everything. Listen to this. I've been reading a book on spiritual disciplines. It's actually called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. It's actually a second version of this book. I think he wrote it in the 80s. Writes about a man named George, George Mueller who lived in the mid-1800s and ran an orphanage in England. They estimate about 10,000 kids came through this orphanage and he never at once asked for any money from anybody. Never did a fundraising campaign, never did anything. God absolutely miraculous provided millions upon millions of dollars. They had up to 2,000 kids in his orphanage at one time. And every single one of them was provided for the whole time. God did miracle after miracle. And he never asked one soul to give a dime. Whitney writes about George Mueller in his prayer life and how after about 10 years of praying one way, he changed the way he prayed. Whitney writes this, in the spring of 1841, George Mueller made a discovery regarding the relationship between meditation and prayer that transformed his spiritual life. He described his new insight this way. This is Mueller. Before this time, my practice had been, at least for 10 years previously, as an habitual thing to give myself to prayer after having dressed in the morning. Now, I saw the most important thing was to give myself to reading God's word and to to meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed. That sounds like the verse we read last week. And that thus, by means of the word of God, whilst meditating on it, my heart might be brought into experimental communion with the Lord. I began, therefore, to meditate on the New Testament from the beginning, early in the morning. The first thing I did after having asked in a few words of the Lord's blessing upon his precious word was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it. 
Not for the sake of public ministry of the word, not for the sake of preaching on what I'd meditated upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. The result I found to be almost invariably this, that after a few minutes, my soul has been led to confession or to thanksgiving or to intercession or to supplication so that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer, but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less to prayer. When thus I have been for a while making confession or intercession or supplication or have given thanks, I go on to the next words or verse turning all as I go on into prayer for myself or others as the word may lead to it. But still continually keeping before me that food for my own soul is the object of my meditation. The result of this is that there are all, there's always a good deal of confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or intercession mingled with my meditation. And then my inner man almost invariably is even sensibly nourished and strengthened. And that by breakfast time, with rare exceptions... I'm in a peaceful, if not happy, state of heart. And you thought it was the coffee. (laughs) Do you see the pattern here? Meditation becomes a bridge from the word of God into prayer. So here here we are. We talked last week, the word of God is a foundation. It's a standard. We judge everything by the word of God. The word of God is what God already said to us. He doesn't need to say anything new. He's already said it. So the word of God is there. Then when we open it up in in the morning or the evening or whenever you do it and you look intently into the word of God, you meditate on it, you roll it around. Friday morning I got up and I saw that he was, Paul was talking about being saved and righteous and, and living this righteous life. And I thought, Lord, help me do that regardless of my circumstance, regardless. I started just thinking about it. How does this apply to my life? And then it turned into a conversation. Help me be that guy. Mueller says, Listen, it happens almost every morning. I, I, I get into the word of God, I start meditating on it. Then it just leads to, if I'm reading about confession, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to confess. If I'm, if I'm reading about praying for somebody else, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, Lord, you know what? That is right. I should be concerned about my friends. And I want you to do the, I want you to help them and I want you to bless them. But it's all foundational. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the word of God, not my ceiling fan. Because now I have a script to pray by. Now I have a reason to pray. Now I have a reason to apply it to my life. So think on things that are above, not on the earth. Can I give you a really, really super practical way of doing this? We did this years ago, maybe 15 years ago here at the church. And uh, there's a guy by the name of Wayne Cordiero. He's a pastor. And I think it's called New Hope Church in, in Oahu. Doesn't everybody wish they could preach in Oahu? I don't think they had snow this morning. He started this thing called the Life Journal. And and there's a, you read through the whole Bible. There's a pattern. You read through the whole Bible in a year. And every morning you get up and do this thing. It's called SOAP. Everybody say SOAP. SOAP. That's a, it's an acronym, SOAP. S-O-A-P, acronym SOAP. You don't need a journal for this. You can do this every morning. You don't need need some specific thing. Just write it down. S-O-A-P. 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 Still spelled the same way. So S is for scripture. I'm going to read scripture this morning. I'm going to read it. 
But I'm not just going to read it. That's S. I'm going to do an observation. What is it saying to me? What does this mean to me? What does this mean? I'm going to meditate on the scripture I just read and find out what it means. I'm going to have to flip back and forth a little bit. I'm going to have to read a little bit above and a little bit below to find out what it means. And then A is application. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the word of God. I'm observing it. Then I'm applying it to my life. What is this Friday morning? What is, what is Paul writing to the Ephesians? What does that have to do with me? Oh, I need to be living that righteous life. And then it... As Mueller says, it invariably turns to prayer. S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. You can just write it, write it in a journal there. Just write S. What scripture did I read? I read this. Oh, well, I think this means this. A, how does this apply to you? I should be less angry. P, Lord, help me be less angry and more righteous. See how that worked? And now I'm praying scripture right back to God. Let me be that man. Let me be a man that glorifies you. Let me be a man that when these things happen, Lord, that I do the right thing, that I think the right things, that I trust you because you're with me. Let me be that God. And guess what? That's a prayer that God answers every single time. Stand to your feet. I'm going to leave you with this. Psalm 1 doesn't stop with meditate on the word. It says this, you will be like a tree planted by the water that will produce fruit in its season and its leaves will not wither. So you know what that tells me? There may be seasons in your life for the potential of no rain, that where there's a potential for your leaves to wither. But he says, if you will meditate on the word of God, pray it back to God, He says, then you will be stable when nobody else is. You'll be stable when everything dries up, the creek won't dry up. And because you're planted by the creek, then you'll keep producing fruit. So what that tells me is when the stupid Volkswagen breaks down on the way to Tennessee, I don't have to freak out about it because my roots are being watered by the word of God. And I can say, Lord, you can answer the prayer of me being more righteous in this moment, even though it does not raining. There's enough water to supply. Amen? So it's not about the circumstance you're in. It's who are you going to be in the circumstance you're in. And the only way you can do that is to be in the Word of God and apply it to your life and pray it back to Him. And then He answers those prayers every time. Amen? So when we sing this now, I want you to think about it a different way. You've already said it, Lord. I believe it. And I want to be the person you just described. It's one word that could change my life. It could be reading tonight, tomorrow morning, the next morning. You never know when it's going to happen. But you could be looking into the word of God, meditating on it, praying it back to God. And it could transform the rest of your life. Amen. Come on, lift your voice up this morning, church. Amen.